All right, this is Brent Leary, and I have with me today Bruce Bedford, who's the VP of Marketing Analytics and Consumer Insights for Overwise. Bruce, thank you for joining me today. My pleasure, Brent. So we're going to jump into a, a really interesting conversation around the things that you're responsible for, analytics and insights uh, from a marketing perspective. Um, but before we do that, could you give me a little bit of your personal background? Yeah, sure. So um, I might have a bit of an unusual uh, entry into the world of marketing. I actually began my career, Brent, as a uh, as an engineer, um, and have a PhD in chemical engineering. As a matter of fact, um, began working uh, as an engineer, doing all sorts of uh, <clears throat> design projects for large corporations, and then. Um, made my way into into the world of business and, and marketing after a couple of years of, of the engineering work. Um, eventually um, started my own consulting practice and uh, began working in the area of analytics oh, probably a good decade ago and um, found my way to Oberweiss through a uh, series of commissions for some analytics work that the CEO had asked me to do here. Well, you mentioned Oberweiss. Uh, tell us a little bit about what Oberweiss does and what products they offer. Yeah, sure. So Oberweiss Dairy, is, is, is you've got to think of it really as three businesses. So Oberweiss Dairy um, has a network of retail dairy stores where we sell uh, fresh fountain ice cream treats, so ice cream cones and milkshakes and banana splits and sundaes and that sort of thing. Um, uh, we have 47 stores located throughout the Midwest, um, including most of the Chicagoland area, uh, St. Louis, parts of Detroit, and into Indiana as well. Um, now, the dairy stores are really more than, than a place where you can go get ice cream. We actually uh, sell fresh bottled milk as well, and then a wide range of other products, uh, yogurts, cheeses, cottage cheese, a whole host of, of, of other items. So in that sense, the, uh, the Oberweiss Dairy Stores are um, more like a convenience store sort of side-by-side -side with a uh, fresh ice cream treat store. The second line of business is a home delivery business where all of those grocery items that we sell in the, in the retail stores um, can be delivered right to your doorstep, and we do that generally on a weekly standing order basis. And that business covers more or less the same geographic region, but we then also extend up into Wisconsin and um, all the way down into Virginia. So that, that business covers a, a bit of a wider uh, geographic range. And then ultimately, because we also manufacture our own dairy products, we do distribute those through uh, a network of regional and national grocery store chains. So places like Costco and Target and Meyer and Safeway and locally uh, Jewel and Dominic. So really a wide range of grocery store chains do distribute our products as well. Well, let's talk a little bit about some of the things that you've done uh, with, with those two business lines from a kind of a marketing analytics perspective, uh, particularly, you know, kind of the first thing is I would, I would consider when you're talking about the in-store experience when your customers come in and actually buy some products. 
uh, you did a, a, I guess you would call it a project, but the whole idea is you were you, you had a lot of folks coming in, and the line was backing out of the stores, and you had to figure out a way to make the experience, uh, the shopping experience more efficient. Maybe you could talk a little bit about how you tackled that particular challenge. Yeah, sure. So, um, as you can imagine, throughout the Midwest, when the weather uh, gets nice, the ice cream business uh, really begins to take off, and that's when our dairy stores see high demand and high throughput, particularly in that part of the store where we produce those fresh-made ice cream products that I told you about, the shakes and sundaes and so forth. And um, what we typically had observed was um, very, very long lines of building. And when we looked closely at what was happening, what we realized is that people might stand in line um, for quite a while, but generally they were stuck behind a person who was looking at our menu boards trying to determine what appealed to them at the moment. And as we looked deeper at the problem, we realized that probably we were uh, exacerbating the, the, the wait time problem by having a menu board layout that wasn't nearly as efficient as, um, as we might have liked and as consumers might have liked. And so we began a, a study of that problem and tried to understand if there was a better layout that we could produce um, with the goal of minimizing wait times in line, particularly the time associated with the decision and ordering process. <clears throat> so immediately um, as we got into this, we determined that probably um, reordering the flow would be beneficial. However, as soon as we started doing that, the concern uh, came that in reordering the flow of, of, of the menu board, it's very likely that we could shift the product mix and potentially shift the product mix in such a direction that we lowered the average uh, value of a, of a ticket, the average ticket value, we, we call it the, the, the uh, value per transaction. Now, um, that's not necessarily a, a bad thing. Ultimately, what we didn't want to see happen was um, a decrease in profit per transaction because we guided people to um, items that might have been maybe uh, more costly to produce or, or somewhat less expensive simply by virtue of the way we laid out the menu. So we went through a pilot phase program where we tested a variety of designs for the menu boards and through a series of, of analyses determined that there was one particular layout that really um, solved two problems. One, uh, we were able to measure a decrease in wait times, and two, we were able to actually determine that people were selecting items that um, were either larger in size and hence increased um, the revenue per ticket, um, but also uh, items that produced somewhat higher profit margins. So with that insight, we went ahead and... Um, redesigned all of the menu boards for all of the locations throughout the Midwest and, and St. Louis and um, have measured over the period of time that we've had the new menu boards up 
a fairly dramatic increase in, in profitability per ticket, um, as well as that decreased wait time, which has sustained um, throughout the life of the implementation. In fact, um, in one particular case, we found that um, one of the items that was not a fairly uh, large mover in the past has actually increased by over 80%, which is, is sort of a remarkable outcome, not something that we set out to do, but certainly something that the pilot phase program had indicated was possible. And uh, in fact, we have, we have found that we were able to shift the product mix while decreasing wait times, and we're actually really delighted with the outcome. So you, wanted, you went into this trying to improve the experience of the customer by shortening the wait they had in line, and you ended up doing that, but also increasing the, uh, uh, the revenue per transaction. <laughs> so it's, all, it's yeah. like a win-win-win there going on. Yeah, absolutely, and, and, and that really, I think, um, highlights the power of an analytical approach where, you know, clearly defining what the objectives of a change are, uh, setting up a program to test whether or not um, the variables that we intended to change would drive toward that goal and ultimately centering in on the right values for those variables to implement. And really that's only possible um, in something like this uh, with the use of analytics. Yeah, kind of in short, uh, people want ice cream, they don't want to wait in line, and if you make them wait less in line, they'll buy more ice cream <laughs> or maybe more yeah. ice cream. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how that is, right? <laughs> Very cool. Well, you know, I can't wait till you guys open up a shop here in Atlanta because I would definitely be one of those folks buying a little what? bit more. Um, but let's switch it up a little bit and let's talk about, you mentioned you have a home delivery uh, side to the business. And a lot of folks, I don't know if they remember a time where they actually, you know, you had milk delivered right at your doorstep. But you had, uh, did a program, and you used your analytical approach to figure out a way to uh, build customer retention around uh, your home delivery. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, as I mentioned previously, we, we do still maintain um, that, that sort of old-fashioned home delivery business where we uh, deliver farm fresh milk um, right to the doorsteps of tens of thousands of homes across the Midwest. Um, all of our milk is uh, very gently pasteurized and bottled in glass bottles. Um, and um, we think it tastes great. So, um, you know, the dairy business is um, the dairy business is one that is fairly difficult to compete in. Um, for a company our size, there are some very, very large national competitors, obviously that uh, that distribute their products widely across the nation. And, and with our relatively small focus. Um, getting that product out to customers' doors on a on a regular weekly basis is really very important. And once we once we obtain a customer, um, it's critical to us that we are actually able to maintain that business over a long period of time. Simply because it um, it costs quite a bit to acquire a new customer. So historically, we had um, tried a variety of promotions. One of the most popular promotions for our sales team had been um, a free delivery offer. Now, let me explain what that means. We 
deliver our products um, with a standard product price. The product price is the same whether you go to one of our dairy stores or whether we deliver the products to your home. The way we, um, the way we uh, compensate for the additional costs of delivery is by charging our customers a modest delivery fee, um, and that is $2.99 per delivery, um, regardless of the size of the order. So if you get a couple of bottles of milk or you get $50 worth of product, it's still $2.99 per delivery to receive that order from us. And the promotion had historically waived that fee for six months. Now that's roughly 26 deliveries. <clears throat> now what we discovered though, um, through the use of a technique that has been used in a clinical setting for a long, long time called survival analysis, what we discovered was that the survival of customers, or if you will, the, the retention of customers who took advantage of that free delivery offer was actually not that great. <clears throat> and in fact, we found that at the six-month mark, customers tended to drop off in a fairly um, discontinuous and um, rapid rate. So we thought, well, hmm, what's going on with that six-month mark? Why is it that after six months, all of a sudden a customer decides to to discontinue the service. And so what we realized was that, you know, if you consider the difference between the 26th and the 27th delivery for a customer on one of those promotions, really there's no change in value from their point of view. The only thing is that they now see an increased cost of $2.99 from us. So we thought, well, what if we what if we offer a promotion, but we don't create a scenario where there's such a sharp contrast at that six-month mark. <clears throat> so we used the Valpac Blue Envelope service. Many, um, many of your listeners will probably be familiar with receiving that blue envelope in the mailbox probably once a month, and it contains a wide variety of coupons. Well, it turns out that that vehicle is a great way to test some ideas. And the Valpac people are, are very, very knowledgeable and, and, and helpful when it comes to setting up test programs through this direct mail offer. So we put out a couple of competing coupons and did a, a randomized A-B test where we sent a coupon offering the six months free delivery um, and the way that works is it turns out to be about $100 worth of value because we also offer a free porch box with that promotion. And when we do that, the porch box adds another roughly $25 of value to the whole offer. So the headline value for the offer or the savings for the offer is 100 bucks. But we then also created a second promotion that stretched the time of the promotion out to one year where we offered a 99-cent delivery um, for one year, basically reducing the cost of delivery by $2 um, with, each, with each transaction. Now, in the course of doing that, the headline still read $100 savings, so the direct mail pieces looked very, very similar with a little bit of, of difference in the actual construction of the offer. And then we tested it. We sent that out to two random groups um, very, very large groups throughout the Chicagoland market and elsewhere, and we waited for the responses. And what we found was we got 
a statistically insignificant difference in the response rate. That is that both coupons performed exactly the same when it came to receptivity. <clears throat> and then we tracked those customers in both groups for a year. And what we found was that, lo and behold, the retention rate for the group that received the 99-cent delivery offer retained at a substantially higher rate, approximately 30% higher than the group that received the free delivery for six-month offer. So that was a truly um, astounding finding from our point of view. We did expect to see a difference, but we didn't expect it to be that dramatic. Um, yeah, and in that, fact, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just saying that, that's, that's amazing. So you were able to basically find the folks who are, it, it doesn't sound like a huge uh, difference, 99 cents versus free, but I guess you identified the folks who are really the free bargain hunter kind of folks, and as soon as they they saw the free wear off, they were out. Yeah, you know, there's we've hypothesized that there's um, a psychological effect happening there, and, and, and it's it's something like this. It's that um, most people uh, hate the idea of giving up value that they know they've already acquired, uh, but but won't be able to claim uh, until some point in the future. And so, what we discovered is that if we could continue to have value hanging out there that the customer could claim, they would continue to um, desire that value. And so, even though the 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 value of the program is the same in both cases, a hundred bucks savings. In the one example with the six-month free delivery, you get all of that value in the first six months. Um, and in the second one, it takes you a year to claim that value. And so what we've hypothesized is that, that people tend to want to do that. They're willing to stay around for a long time if they know that there's additional savings to be had. So um, that's sort of, you know, that's an insight that's led us to try additional uh, programs which we're currently evaluating. But um, really, it's the use of the survival analysis um, techniques that have allowed us to truly pinpoint um, where the ultimate um, where the ultimate benefit is for us in in that in that approach. So you know, it's really quite exciting. But for our business, by the way, you know, a thirty percent increase in retention translates literally to millions of dollars in added value. So, you know, we're enormously uh, excited about that and, and the power that, that the analytics has allowed us to unlock through, you know, this testing of different promotional offers. And, and I would assume that, you know, that, that equates to millions of revenue, but also lowers your cost of uh, customer acquisition and customer retention as well. Sure. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. In the aggregate, um, the cost of of acquisition, um, you know, diminishes when you consider that a customer acquired will retain for some some significant period longer. Um, the the cost the the cost to retain them um, really doesn't doesn't change that much. It's just that. They don't call us um, in the same frequency, uh, requesting to either decrease their service or to eliminate it altogether. The real value is in the incremental uh, profit generated by the retention um, 
period effectively doubling for a large number of customers. Yeah, so the, the lifetime value increases because they stay along, uh, around longer due to the, the, the creating the offer and putting it in terms that they will be more receptive to. Absolutely. This is fascinating, Bruce. I really appreciate this. And I think one last thing, you shared a, a white paper that you wrote on the, you know, kind of covering these two case studies. And one yeah. thing I kind of I really gravitated towards was you made a distinction between retention and loyalty. And I think uh, it kind of bears out what you were talking about uh, in terms of the last case study where you can retain folks, you know, that are sort of conscious towards, uh, you know, a certain kind of pricing or offer, um, but loyalty goes beyond just putting the right offer in place. It, it's the emotional aspect. How do you – can you explain that a little bit? Because I thought that was really important. Yeah, so um, lo- loyalty is something that is extraordinarily difficult to measure because loyalty really resides – um, you know, inside somebody's head or the, in, inside their heart, and that gets a little bit fuzzy for a person in in the world of analytics. Typically, um, from an analytical point of view, you sort of look to um, measures of loyalty, um, which are are really sort of surrogates, if you will, because you can't truly measure loyalty. At least that's my view. Um, you can measure the behaviors that are suggestive of loyalty. Um, so, you know, in, in a in a in a less direct fashion, if you will, you can look at how people behave and use that as a means of of identifying loyal customers um, and less loyal customers. Now, ultimately, what what really matters is what's causing them to be loyal. Um, the distinction that I'm trying to make in, in, in that point is that the promotion in and of itself is not going to um, give you an indication of whether you're attracting a loyal customer or not. There are other things beyond that, but you can get at least a at least an impression of the loyalty of your customers by measuring um, these you know these purchase behaviors. We had a great conversation with Bruce, Bruce Bedford from Oberweiss. And, Bruce, uh, where can people learn more about you guys and maybe even, you know, if they're in the Midwest, maybe stop in and get some ice cream? Uh, well, you can go to our website, www.oberweiss.com, or you can go visit us on our Facebook page. Very good. Thanks again, Bruce. This has been great information. Great. Thank you, Brent.